Cause nobody can do it like Mix Master can Come on! I got the D double O, D double O style Here we go again because it's been a while Do me a favor, don't touch that down I ride from Manhattan to the Miracle Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I am your host, Roy Turner, and holy cow, do we have a show for you this week. Mixmaster Mike, Hall of Famer DJ from the legendary Beastie Boys, uh, is here. We had a great time uh, on St. Patrick's Day. We wanted to say happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone listening out there. Uh, so excited to have Mike uh, on, and we're getting into all the great stuff and all the great stories about what he's doing now, uh, his history with the Beastie Boys, and so much more. Joining me this week, and welcome back to the show, is my better half, the greatest woman I've ever known, and certainly the most beautiful, is Jocelyn Hun. Jocelyn, <laughs> welcome back to the show, babe. Thank you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Now, something kind of significant has happened since the last time you were on the show in our personal lives. Why don't you tell our dear listeners what, what, has, what has transpired in our lives since the last time you were on the show? Well, Roy has asked me to marry him, and I said yes. Do you hear that, loyal listeners out there? We are engaged. We are betrothed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so, and what's so great, great about <clears throat> that? So, I'm sure that there's people out there that want to maybe hear a little bit more details. Um, well, it was a complete surprise and a very good surprise. I don't usually like surprises, and <laughs> that was fun trying to get me to to the location, right? Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> so, but it ended up being a great surprise and I, I'm really happy that I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> and what's even funnier was that, of course, during surprises, maybe why I like, some people don't like surprises, is that you might say things or do things because you're reacting to a different situation. Right. Like, so you're free to criticize and to, to, you know, speak freely, not knowing what, what's coming and going, oh, no, if I had known, then maybe I wouldn't have. So to, to set this up for, for you, dear listeners, um, we had gone out to dinner. Uh, our birthdays are very close together, and she was actually taking me, you were taking me out for my birthday. Yes. And I suggested <clears throat> that we have dessert. But who the hell goes for dessert an hour away from where we were having dinner at 11 o'clock on a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and not, and not in New York City or Los Angeles, in the great city of, of Dallas, Texas. <sighs> uh, so the funny thing was, was that on I couldn't tell you where we were going, of course. And I just had to just kind of allude to the fact that, you know, we're going to go have dessert. And, you know, and the... the, the, the Talk of this better be some damn good dessert. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> pop it up there. Um, yeah, I thought you know maybe we're going downtown. So then we was pop- that your first thought? We were going downtown. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we're going downtown. That's cool. We passed downtown. Okay. Maybe we're going to um, that other city. I forget what it's called. I'm putting you on the spot, but 
we passed that city as well. <laughs> uh, Oak Cliff. Oak Cliff, right. And, and yeah, we just keep going more south, south into Dallas, like so- South Dallas. And it was, you know, an area that I'm not very familiar with, so... Well, and not to, but the, the line of the night had to be is that we did kind of, there is a, a shady part that we had to get through before we got to our destination. <laughs> and at one point, what did you say? <laughs> My mom's going to be mad at you for taking me to the, to the hood. <laughs> and all I could think about was, no, she isn't. <laughs> but first of all, you know, you know, you're a self-admitted a bit, a bit, you know, got that kind of control thing. That's why you don't like surprises. <laughs> and so, actually, having to be held on for that long. And the funny thing was, too, was I was driving your car, and I haven't driven a stick uh, regularly in a while. I also was wearing very slippery, slick dress shoes. <laughs> and how appropriate was it that when we got there, they turned the open sign off? I was scared. <laughs> and, and why did they turn the open sign off? Because um, usually they close around the same time that we had arrived. But they remained open for what reason? Because um, yours truly is a very charming guy. <laughs> he usually gets what he wants. <laughs> In this case, you were correct. <laughs> so... Uh, so we went to a place called Delta Charlie's, which is a kind of a, a very unique restaurant. Actually, there's no other real place really like it in North America, really, except for a, a few other different places. Like there's one in Vancouver and maybe a few other different places. But the idea is you can have dinner and then they'll take you on a private tour on a private plane over the city. Mm-hmm. Now, when we came in there and I said that that's what we were doing, <clears throat> and you can't really, even though you knew we were at the airport, yeah. You couldn't really, at the executive airport, a very tiny one, you couldn't see the planes. You didn't think I was telling the truth, that yeah. I was just having some fun. <laughs> yeah. What did you think? Um, I, yeah, I, I thought that was an outlandish idea, and, and I thought, well, why, why the heck would we be doing that? <laughs> so at, at no point did you think I was going to propose? Not at all. I just thought it was another one of your dramatic things that you love to do. <laughs> <laughs> which which there are many of, and I do. All of which you benefit from, though, right? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's worth enduring. It's worth, <laughs> worth a drive through the, through the hood, as it were, uh, risking your, your, your mother's wrath uh, on me. <laughs> so we are tra- we're doing a little tour above Dallas. Now, it was funny because our pilot was named Bill, <clears throat> who looked just like my... Uh, my stepdad named Bill, who has mm. been passed for about fifteen years, so that was that was pretty cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And Bill was a super nice guy. I want to give a shout out to uh, Laura, uh, who is the coordinator there. She knew all that I was planning. She's the one that actually added the flight after closing because. Again, I'm just irresistible, right? Is that is that you know? That's true. But at the same time, uh, I know that she <clears throat> she knew that, that my love for you was real, and she could she could feel it and sense it, and would want to make it happen. So we get up in the air, we're going around. And I was waiting for us to do the turnaround to go right when we're about to do the turnaround to go back, and you were looking out the window, and I was looking at the other window. Keep on, this is a tiny little Cessna. Have you ever seen the movie Blow? This is the the, the plane they deliver the, the drugs in. Okay, 
and I asked you if you because because you had a bit of a fear of heights that I was previously unaware of, right? Yeah, and a little anxiety with like takeoff and landing, <laughs> <laughs> but it was totally fine. Totally Bill's smooth. a great uh, pilot. That's right. That's right. Uh, and then I asked you if you were enjoying, if you were okay, mm-hmm. and said if you were enjoying the flight. Yes. And if you were enjoying the view. Yes. And you said yes. And then what did I say? <clears throat> and then you said, baby, I'm going to need you to say yes one more time. And then you opened the box and it had this beautiful big ring in it. Big diamond ring. <laughs> that uh, is currently on your, on your finger right now. It is. And it's sparkly. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job. <laughs> well, and again, again, shout out to Laura and Bill and the establishment of Delta Charlie's there at the... Uh, executive airport just right outside of downtown Dallas for, for, for helping us and helping me and helping us make such a memorable moment. Yes. Uh, and so, yes, ladies and gentlemen, if I can get married, you can get married. <laughs> if we can get married, you can get married. So it is, um, like I said, Slayer ends DJ Tricky Kid Marries. Hell has truly frozen over but uh when you found the one you found the one and, and ladies and gentlemen i've waited my entire life for this woman and jocelyn i love you very 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 much i love you <laughs> and uh and the only thing that might come close to our love is how much our listeners are gonna love this week's show so uh i wanted to talk a little bit about like i said mixmaster mike uh, is one of the you know, probably probably the greatest DJ in the world. It's certainly one of the best ever to do it. One of the most well known, uh, even before his work with the Beastie Boys, and even currently, even afterwards. Uh, I'm so excited for you guys to, to, to hear the interview that, that's coming up uh, later in the show. That uh, we had such a great time with with um, with Mike. And so, one thing I wanted to talk about was that you know, uh, those that know me, and of course, know my career, know this show, know that. I've been a professional DJ uh, pretty much since the early 2000s and started DJing in 1998. And that's a very, uh, very specific time because he that's the year that he joined the Beastie Boys for their album Hello Nasty. And at the top of the show, you heard snippets, of course, the song Three MCs and One DJ, where he says, nobody can do it like Mixmaster Mike. And what's the next line, Jazzy? We got that D double O D double O style. That's right, doo doo <laughs> style. <laughs> uh, but his beginnings uh, stretch way back before that, and some of the some of the first people in the world to do it—not just a DJ, but but a pioneer, an innovator—he would do all these crazy scratches that he invented, like literally that did not exist before he did it. Trying all types of stuff with a platter on the turntable and. And holding the torque and moving the record back and forth that way, which, of course, he's famous for inventing, of course, what is known as the tweak scratch. But that's not the only one. There's a ton of them. When you hear, um, and he'll explain this at length, I don't want to give too much of it away. When you hear that famous outgoing message on Hello Nasty, and where he's calling Adam Yow, and he's going, yo, Adam, this is Mixmaster Mike, and he's got his turntables hooked up to a wah pedal, and he's like, check this out. He'd been up all night. You know, just listen off all this stuff that you know that he could do, and where that comes from is him, and of course, a very famous DJ named DJ Kubert. Uh, um, 
Also Filipino, by the way. I uh, it was fun because my <clears throat> lovely fiance here is of German and Filipino descent, just like Mixmaster Mike. And I believe Keyboard is like full, full, full on there with the felt uh, Filipino. Um, and also along with DJ Apollo, they started something uh, a collective, the very first of its kind, called the Invisible Scratch Pickles, <laughs> which is uh, kind of a play on on words from uh, another. Um, uh, vegetable uh, themed band you might remember that started in the 1980s but uh, I'll let him tell that story here a little bit later uh, and they even like started like the first like DJ orchestra where like one DJ would just play just like the percussion and next one the horns and just just outlandish shit just out of the box shit just like whatever they wanted to do now of course he is known for winning the the DMC championship which is the premier uh, DJ battle um, in pretty much in the world. It's held in Miami every single year, and and he they started like how the whole collective started was they were just battling each other. That well, hey, we've already battled each other. Why not we just kind of pull our resources? And so, uh, so that so that just kind of he just kind of took it from there. And then in 1998, he's on to uh, the Beastie Boys. Now. I wanted to ask you, when did you first, what was your first taste of the Beastie Boys? Or when did they first come into your consciousness or on your radar? Um, I was in high school, and so I would say that was around 95 okay, or something. Okay. okay. forget the album that I first started listening to. That would have been Ill Communication. Yes, that's the one. Okay. Right. I think I pretty much memorized that. <laughs> so. And that's, that's what's so great about the Beastie Boys, is that every Beastie Boys fan knows every lyric to every Beastie Boys song. That's what makes them so yeah. lovable and likable, and other than just the fact of how just out of the box and original they are, and just so fun, and just kind of get the idea that these guys really, really love each other, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really have a lot of, lot of love to give, you know. Uh, now... So, Mixmaster Mike wasn't the DJ on that record. Of course, it wasn't until 1998's Hello Nasty. Again, the aforementioned uh, outgoing message that we talked about. So, when do you when did you become aware of Mixmaster Mike? Because they had DJs before. You know, of course, with Rick Rubin producing their first record, he was kind of like this guy that just he that just hit play, and then of course. On the records, or at least in the live setting, they had a guy named DJ Hurricane. You know, you know the, you know DJ oh, yeah. Hurricane got clout. Other DJs put your head out. You, you know that yeah. on, on Shake Your Rump and all that. So, but he still the Beastie Boys were three people. It wasn't until Mike joins them where he's in the band now. At what point, I mean, you know what I mean? He, he was literally in the Beastie Boys. At what point for you did you become more aware of Mixmaster Mike as like a full-fledged member of the Beastie Boys? I think, you know, just the D-double-O style right. song and um, that from the, from the Hello Nasty record, um, it, it really felt like he was in the band, so. Yeah, right. Think- it really felt like he was like a member of of the band, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, and you'll hear him say this, you know, in the interview. It was seemed like it was just kind of taking them to the next 
thing. And that was always the great thing about the Beastie Boys was that, you know, of course you had these kind of frat, fratty kind of, you know, guys, which we learned later in life that they were actually parroting frat life on License the Ill. Mm-hmm. Then they do this crazy thing where they make this masterpiece called Paul's Boutique that is unlike any record to this day that I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, when, when you hear it, and I've listened to that record now for almost 30 years, and I still hear something different. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, every single time. <clears throat> and then, you know, they follow it up in 92 with Check Your Head. And just to give you an idea of how far their popularity had fallen, that the first time that I saw the Beastie Boys was on the Check Your Head tour in 1992. And they played this tiny little, it sounds like a, like a fancy place, it's called the Agora Ballroom. But really what it was, it was some little shithole off of Northwest Highway over here. <laughs> which, uh, for those of you not from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's, it's a place that you... you, you Certainly in 1992, you didn't want to go to. Um, and so, you know, of course, this is before they re- returned to the arena. But what was so bold about the Check Your Head record was they could have gone, oh, God, nobody knows who we are. So instead of trying to keep residual fans of what they once were, they kept going. Like, well, what do, you know, what do we have to lose? So they, you know, they went out, the, uh, went back to, uh, to New York. You know what I mean? Picked up their instruments once again, like they were, you know, prior to License to Ill, mm-hmm. and uh, and made this fantastic record. Yeah, good stuff. Uh-huh. Well, okay. So at the um... so I'm completely surprised that they came in '92, and you saw them at a tiny club. Yes. Are yes, you serious? Yes, this tiny little nothing place. The lead single uh, was Pass the Mic, and my, my dear friend Chris Todd was like, hey man, you know, remember the Beastie Boys? Because, you know, this had been three or four years since Paul's Boutique, and yeah. at that point, I mean, you know, we were, I was 82, I was 18 and 92, so ages like, you yeah. know, 14, 15 to 18, it was a whole different, you know, and so we went to a record store. And to try to get it, and we saw a flyer. To all you millennials out there, what flyers are are, are very antiquated forms of advertisement. There was no internet, so you had to actually print something and actually paste it on a wall somewhere, so those could unsuspect unsuspectedly could see it uh, to patronize it. So here's the funny thing, though: we were so excited about it and went and got tickets and couldn't believe it and we're just kind of like you know, like when something hits you just in that great sweet spot that you it kind of lasts forever you're always kind of chasing that residual high at that moment yeah so they were our lives in 1992 man just it was just something new and fresh and we were me and Chris our friend Kelly Willis and I feel like there was somebody else we had never been to the Agora Ballroom. I think at that point, I'd only had been to a couple of concerts, period. And they were just big rock shows at the big and normal. I'd never been to a club show, I don't think, you know, yeah. of any sort. And we were so excited that we got to the show one week early. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> because we were like, this is kind of a bad neighborhood. 
there's nobody here. Has the show been canceled? You know, that whole kind of youthful uh, innocence, right? <laughs> and, like, there was nobody in the parking lot. I, like, no one. We couldn't be that early. You know, it like it was like noon. It was like, you know, 6.30 or 7 o'clock, right? And, uh, you know, p- you know, people that are going to put on a show are probably going to be here before us at this time. And we looked down at the tickets and realized that we had arrived one week early. That's hilarious. That's how excited we were. <laughs> and so we did return one week later. There were people there. <laughs> including the Beastie Boys, <laughs> and I had never been to a hip hop show, and and I and I was at that point obviously I'd been a a fan of hip hop for about ten years at that point, and then never actually been to a hip hop show, and I remember they started with Slow and Low, uh, which is actually a song that the Run DMC gave them actually, a lot of people didn't know that until years later, and it was one of the most transformative experiences of my entire life, certainly of that year, definitely of my and definitely a hallmark of my youth. I will never forget that night and that feeling, and just that it was just something insane. Because I'd, I'd been to a couple of big rock shows, but this was just—it felt like such a community. And you know, I've taken you to hip hop shows and stuff, and you—you kind of—it's a—you kind of get a different vibe there, don't you? Uh, yeah. Like, didn't we see uh, something at a, a small club? What was that? Shabazz. We saw Shabazz Palaces. Palaces. Right. 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 Yeah, that was a lot of fun, and um, it's nice to go see um, a hip-hop show in a small uh, setting like that, because I remember seeing, when I saw the Beastie Boys, like, probably just a few years after the show that you saw, it was in a big coliseum, and it... Like hundreds, if not a thousand people were there. Oh, or no, more. there was about eight, eighty, five hundred people there. Because you were, you saw That's crazy. the, you saw, was it Lollapalooza or did you see the show at Fair Park Coliseum? The Fair Park Coliseum. With the roots and the and John Spencer's Blues Explosion. What a, what a, <laughs> what a historical tour that was. There was a lot of people there. Yeah. I can't believe you saw them. Yeah. When, in a small club <laughs> yeah. just a few years before that. So it shows you how good, how good it it was. It was so. Yeah. It had no choice but to be good. And then, of course, they followed up with the album that you know, '94's Ill Communication. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to tell one more little tale about that year, was because, again, th- there was also something very punk rock about about them. As always, they were they were started out as being punks in New York, and there was something very communal, but but edgy, of course. Well, my world's kind of. Combined in a, in a, the most unexpected way later that year in November of that year, uh, they the Beastie Boys come back. Now, other than the Beastie Boys' "Check Your Head," which of course is a, is a masterpiece hip hop record, my favorite record of that year was hands down Henry Rollins's uh, "The End of Silence," which is still one of my all time favorite records. It just owned me. Well, if you walk into a record store. To you millennials out there, record stores were these brick-and-mortar places <laughs> where you actually walked in and purchased music. And there's a few of them left, and you should patronize them. Uh, and coming up is a thing called Record Store Day, and you should support it. Uh, I just got you your first record player, as a matter of fact. Did I not, for your birthday? Yeah, I, I can't wait to buy more stuff for it. That's right. <laughs> We've been having a lot of fun with it, haven't we? Yeah, thank you. Including play, playing Shabazz Palaces. Yes. I bought a record at that show. Um, 
So what was so neat about that is if you went to a record store, you know, the Beastie Boys records were over there, and then the punk rock records were over on the other side. So it was unthinkable that Henry Rollins and the Beastie Boys were touring together. And a little unknown band at the time was opening the show by the name of Cypress Hill on their first tour. And obviously fans of the show and people who know me know I'm a massive wrestling fan. And there's a historic building that's no longer here um, in the 1980s where a very famous wrestling family called the Von Erichs had many of battles with the villains, the Freebirds. And it's a legendary uh, feud that still resonates to this day. And most of those matches took place uh, under the umbrella of World Class Championship Wrestling, which was owned by the Von Erich's father, Fritz Von Erich. And the building where it took place was a place called the Sportatorium, which is this ratty, shitty, little barrack of a place that some for some reason in 92 into 94 it reopened as a concert venue because I'm sure they probably got that thing dirt cheap. Now, I was too young and never got to go to see the sea wrestling at the Sportatorium. So this was a neat this was a great thing for me that I'm returning I'm actually going to the Sportatorium but under different circumstances. And I can remember very very clearly that it was actually supposed to be a co-headlining show. This wasn't like an opening act situation. You know what I mean? And like it wasn't like, you know, Cypress Hill was the opener. But it wasn't like then Henry Rollins was opening for the... No, they were going to do an hour and a half and then the Beastie Boys were going to do an hour and a half. It was a co-headlining thing, right? Yeah. Well, you walk into this ratty place and keep in mind, this is in 1992 where some of the wildest... Because you get the hip hop crowd, you get the punk crowd, you have the rock crowd, you have all this, and it's just this combustible element of people. This is you know, people were stage diving at Dixie Chick shows in '92. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just as an excuse, well. as an excuse to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and all these people were jumping up and down on this ant-infested floor. Yeah. And you knew something was going to have to give. Oh, no. Okay? And, and, I mean, like, during Cypress Hill set, it was like there was constantly people on stage. There was no hardly any security at this place. It was just a free-for-all. Like one of those wild punk shows you would you see in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. This this was this, this, this what this looked like. And then the floor. They had, like, these, like, bleachers, like at a, like at a pep rally. That's, you oh, know, my. Yeah. Very strong together, and you had people on the floor, and they were jumping up and down until the uh, floor gave. Underneath the audience. Yes. Oh my god! And so about three hundred people right up front fell about <gasps> a, a, a good half a foot into the floor, and people were, you know, were falling in and falling on top of people. Where you know suddenly it's bedlam, it's mayhem. So much so that Adam Yout had to come out. That's MCA, of course. You know, you have Ad Rock, MCA, and Mike D, of course. That's the Beastie Boys. And, you know, the kind of the, the general of the Beastie Boys, if there is a, a leader, would definitely be Adam Yout. Adam Yout had to come out. Now, this is when he just... The world at large really wasn't aware of his Tibet, his interest in Tibetan... Buddhist interest 
and yeah. stuff. We're going to have later finding, founding the Tibetan Freedom Concert, of course, at, um, and everything else. But he came out, he was so calm, just his presence. Like, at first, people were freaking out. Oh, my God, there's MCA. But he was so calm, just, <laughs> you know, trying to emulate what, what he was starting to learn and stuff uh, from the Dalai Lama and things like that. That he was able to kind of calm people down, but man, as soon as Rollins came out there, it was just nuts. I think it was even Mike D's birthday. I mean, it was one of the wildest shows I've 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 ever been at in my entire life. It was just, <laughs> just that crazy. And I always wondered what Henry Rollins thought of that show because Henry Rollins always used to publish his tour journals, right? Okay. And and he published that tour journal years later. Like, I think it might have been, like, I don't know. It may be less time, but in my mind, I think it was something like eight years later. And I got it. I didn't even read it from the beginning. I went straight to Dallas 92 to see what it was going to say. And it's great. The opening line is something like, you know, November, whatever, 12th, 1992. I sat in some effed up wrestling arena watching the crew load in all day. And then he kind of describes what I just said. People all on the stage, because, you know, he performed barefoot. And so people were stepping on his feet. And, and I can remember at one point him losing his temper. He was a very intense guy back then. And before this stage ever jumps off, he grabs the guy by his shirt and holds him. And I'm going to keep it clean for our audience. But basically he gets in the guy's face and says, Hey, here's a tip for you. Don't get in the effing singer's effing face when the effing singer's trying to effing sing. And then drops the guy. <laughs> it was an intense night, you know. So that was that was the Beastie Boys, man. That was what you know. Uh, so it was really you know time to kind of take them to the next thing, and that's what we're gonna bring you. Is the next thing is we're gonna bring you Mixmaster Mike uh, himself. But before we do that, we have to have to. To thank uh, some people, some of our, our loyal listeners, and of course, and our very wonderful sponsors that keeps this show going. What we want to ask you to do is go to iTunes. And when they go to iTunes, what should they do, Jossie? They should look you up and your fabulous show because it's really great. And there's a lot of episodes, a lot of different um, interests, um, a lot of stuff that I didn't know that. You know, you were interested in. <laughs> <laughs> You're learning about me. Yeah. You know, you said yes because of the podcast. Right? <laughs> but what is the main thing that they should do? They need to subscribe to your podcast and um, to, because it comes in weekly and there's a right. new, fresh show every week. And and I, sometimes I'm surprised at what comes <laughs> up. Why? <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> it, it, it might be it might be a, a matter of, of memory loss on your part. Right? Like, I'm always like, oh, that was what you were yapping about. Oh, no. Right? Uh, what What are some of the things you've been surprised by? Um, well, I think the uh, last couple shows didn't you have like some uh, adult industry industry stars on? We and, did. We and did. I asked you about that, and you're like. You know, telling me about some serious issues actually That's going right. on. So, I, you know, I thought, actually, this might be very interesting. So I decided to check it out. At first, it was a little bit intimidating. Like, what? What are we doing? <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's there's some really good, like, um, some serious issues to talk about, you know. For sure, for sure. And that's, and that's the whole thing is that's what's 
what I, what I'm proud about the show is that we cover it all. If it's important, mm-hmm. if it's serious, if it's uh, you know, if it's definitely you know current and needs to be you know addressed and talked about, and, and we're certainly not going to um, you know discriminate uh, or whatever. There's there yeah. is some issues going on where mental health uh, in the industry needs to be addressed. Even Rolling Stone covered it. You know, uh, my man Chris Jericho, he's got wrestlers on his show. He has he's had adult performers. He has authors, athletes, and. We want to kind of cast, and we've always been. I've always been very proud about casting that same same wide net. That you know, we're not going to exclude anybody, and we have a an open door policy here, and 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 all are welcome. So, uh, and we invite you to do the same thing. And if you like this show, give us a five star rating, leave us a review. It, you can't. You think, oh, I don't got time to do that. You can't imagine how much it helps and how it, we're able to deliver shows just like this one each and every Thursday. It's free. Click subscribe, and it'll show up, and you can hear my lovely lady's charming voice. <laughs> um, uh, she's not on every episode, but uh, but but it's so it's so wonderful when she is. <laughs> thank you. I enjoy doing it. And so, also, we also we want to thank our sponsors. We want to thank Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, if you are in the Texas area and you happen to go to the cold coffee aisle, check out Bulletproof. You open it if you're not. Go online because they will teach you how to make it yourself at home. It's good. It uses uh, grass-fed butter. Uh, uses what they call brain octane oil, basically, which is uh, which is which is good good coconut uh, oil, which is great for you. So it's a, it, you can have the energy, the energy drink, and the coffee without all the garbage. Um, also, uh, want to thank um, gosh, so many. Uh, people that have been, have been have been you know writing have gone on to our website which is trickykid.com. You ought to go there. You'll be able to see more pictures of of my personal collection of the Beastie Boys and Mixmaster Mike. We saw the show with Mixmaster Mike on St. Patrick's Day that was bananas. Amazing. Uh, you'll be able to see pics of that. We encourage you to see Mixmaster Mike on tour. He's all over the place. Uh, you can find us, of course, on Twitter at Tricky Kit and the number two. Of course, on Facebook at under Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. You also can find my DJ career uh, under just simply DJ Tricky Kid, and you can find that on Instagram and also on Facebook. Uh, and but again, check out TrickyKid.com. You also can can stream the show from there, see lots of great pics, and kind of keep up with all that we've got going on. Uh, lots and lots, lots of great stuff coming up. So, uh, before uh, we do that, you know, Mike is also, you know, he's not just a DJ and an innovator. He's also, you know, he makes music. You know, when you hear the song 3M Season 1 DJ, he's not just scratching. He's creating a, a song. He's creating the drums, the bass, the, <coughs> the melody, the whole, the whole bit there. And he's got a new single out. Reuniting with his old Invisible Scratch Pickles brother, DJ Qbert, and the song is called Channel Zektar. And we're going to play that for you right now. When we do, we'll come right back with Hall of Famer, the legendary Mixmaster Mike. Yo. 
Don't stop. Channel checked, are y'all? Oh yeah, two minute countdown, y'all. Two minute countdown.
Last minute, y'all. This is our last minute. Stick around. We got Dave Smith coming to the booth. Give it up one more time for Channel Zetar, y'all. Once again, Pioneer DJ Nam 2017, Channel Zektar, Mixmaster Mike, DJ Kubert. This is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such iconic classic films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Vulgar. Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. You got it. Hey. Hey, guys, this is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such classic cult hits as Clerks, Clerks 2, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Brutal Massacre, many, many more. And you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Uh, this, you're listening to Tricky Kid. Radio. I messed that up anyway. <laughs> I'll look at it in post. <laughs> Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Marilyn. They do know he's Marilyn. Hello. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. You know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Hey, everybody. This is actor and musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Wow, that was great. Yeah. That was really good. I love hearing that he's making new music and... That Kubert guy is pretty good, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I will love to nerd out and educate you about all the ways of DJ Kubert and all the amazing things. Yes. And again, uh, so for him hooking up with his, his you know, his old, his old friend uh, from the Invisible Scratch Pickles to bring us new music. And he's got a lot of new stuff uh, that we're going to be letting you know about. But I'm going to let him talk about it. So without any further ado. USA Today called one of the best living uh, DJs and one of the best of all time. 
joining us is Michael Schwartz, better known to the world of music and hip-hop, is Mixmaster Mike. Mike. Yes. Welcome to the show, my friend. Yes. So... You recently you're all over the place right now. So recently, you just you did a thing for I think it was for the Kennedy Honors. You did a tribute to Herbie Hancock. Yeah. Now was Rocket for a lot of DJs was Rocket the first time you heard scratching? Um. No, it was. You know, it was the first time I heard scratching was um was Malcolm McLaren's um. Hobo Scratch and Buffalo Gals. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and, okay. and that was on uh, the Duck Rock album. Um, and um, yeah, as soon as I heard it, I was just like, "Wow, this is a fascinating sound." Really didn't know what it was, but um, when I saw Herbie Hancock Rocket, then right, I sure, then sure. I knew what it was and what it looked like. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So because for, for a lot of a lot of DJs, you know, they were at that certain age that might have been like their first introduction to it. Now, when you first heard of the Malcolm McLaurin. What, what point did you start to discover, you know, Cool Herc and the Bronx and, and hip hop and things like that? Where where did that come come in for you? Um, it was a uh, there was a movie I saw. Um, it was called um, Wild Style, uh, and okay, um, okay. Um, and um, it was uh, it was through watching that and 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 then it was my fascination. Uh, for the art, I yeah. wanted to know where it came from. I wanted to know who invented it and and what this whole movement was about. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was just like it was a uh, such a um, rebellious, revolting art that I was just <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That fits my character, and I was just like, yeah, you know. It was like I want I want to be a part of this because there's something very re- rebellious about it. Because <laughs> yeah. Because you know, I mean, you're from you're from California, aren't you? Yes, okay. yes. And so, but so you weren't there in New York when this was happening, but you came to know that the punks and uh, you know in downtown were hanging out with uh, the hip hop people uptown because it's it's kind of the same ethos, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. As far as like the like the mind state yeah. and the culture, it's um it's like against conformity. It's fo- totally just uh, just something that was made up from just basically nothing. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? It's yeah. just, um, it, it is what you make it. It's such a universal art, and it is what you make it. It comes from within, comes from pain, comes from the struggle. Yeah. And that's why I was fascinated about it, because that's where I come from. And that's, I think that's why people respond to it so much, too, because yes. it's not just record scratching. There's, you, can, you can feel, like for the same reason, when you hear a, a blues solo or something, you kind of kind of feel the, the yeah. miles that yeah. was put into of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's uh, you know, you you become a, a product of your environment. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm a big product of where I came from. So I've always felt that way. I've always felt that that environment always dictated behavior. You know, like like James yeah. Brown couldn't have come from like Belgium or something. <laughs> he had, he no. had to come from the deep south. No, in, no, in it, the sixties. You know, exactly. And, yeah. pe- and people ask me, you know, what's the formula of your longevity? I mean, I mean, for me, it's it's um, you know, it's not forgetting where you come from and knowing where it started yeah and right. and, and, and and doing the knowledge yeah for you know sure I mean? and 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 I'm I'm I tell people do the knowledge right there's the three words do the, the knowledge, knowledge right? <laughs> the yeah, yeah yeah well I think people are going to respond to of course the you know the dynamic of of you know it's, it's pretty interesting to look at even for a novice but at the same time for people that know it they they know the miles that go into that. At what point did you feel like, hey, I kind of got something here? Where did you kind of, 
kind of understood that you were better than your peers in terms of, of ability? I, I guess it was uh, through uh, through battling other DJs. Right. Definitely. I mean, um, battling, I mean, obviously set yourself apart from the rest of the pack. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I always tell people, like, you're, you're, you're nothing without imagination. Yeah. And I felt my imagination was far superior than anybody around me. Even people that, you know, even people that weren't musicians, my imagination was far superior because of what I thought about and and um, what was going on in my head. Yeah. So you kind of <laughs> felt like you were going to do something creative regardless of Rega- if it was music or not. Regardless, regardless of what was going to happen, I was always um, infatuated with... Uh, making um turning nothing into something yeah yeah but you like music you like the diy thing you yeah. had a punk spirit so yeah it kind of is fair to say that this was it's not an, you know it's not a coincidence that this was the path that you took Nah, yeah definitely definitely it if, just snapped right in if you hadn't what do you think an alternative would have been um Probably been a huge drug dealer or something. Probably got would have got murdered all, along the way. You know what I mean? Story, not a good ending. Sure, not a good ending. That's what you know. Yeah, music has saved a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Uh, now it. So at this point, when you decided to collaborate with like Qbert and you guys put together the the scratch pickles and all that. Yeah, yeah. So. What was what was the mindset there in terms of of pooling your resources instead of staying solo in the beginning? Um, the motivation. Well, me and me and Cuber were big rivals back in the day, so this is like that's kind of the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when we when we teamed up, it was just like full on Voltron, right? Like it was just like <laughs> the the two craziest to be put together in one band was just. The uh, the psychology behind that was like wow, sky's the limit on what we can do. So and instead of battling, but yeah, yeah, let's join forces. So a lot of magic happened when we when we when we joined forces. Right. So I mean, but but it took you know me you know winning the the battle for world supremacy and then the, the DMCs and all that stuff like won those together. But it was like it was like once we once we joined forces, it was just like okay now. Let's let's make a band. Let's form a two-man team. Which it, 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 me and Apollo formed. Me and DJ Apollo um, formed the first ever DJ orchestra. So it was like two man a two-man gangbang on on two, on two turntables. Yeah. So it was like, hey, why don't you cut the hi hat and I'll cut the, cut up the drums. And, and that was so, the first time that I'd ever I'd ever had seen that. Yeah. You know, for, whenever I'd come to it, I started DJing around 1998, whatever. And yeah. So, yeah. When I had come to, to to you, of course, I was familiar, of course, with the Beastie Boys, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and of course, you know, they were repping you, so I was like, well, let's see what this guy's got. You know, I was, yeah. Of course, it was interesting. Uh, and that was where I didn't realize that you had had. That's where I kind of learned your lineage a little bit. Yeah. Where does the term "invisible scratch pickles" come from? How did y'all come up with that? Invisible scratch pickles. I mean, really doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's uh, you know, you'd have to use your imagination for sure. To put that all together, because okay. we just we we were just me and me and Q was just we were just goofing off one day, just naming off these names, and it just came off. I mean, it's just really something that really you know we wanted something that was just going to stick, and that was just so off course, that, <laughs> yeah. something that was so off that it was on. Right, right. It sounds like yeah. something that the two young people at, at that time of their lives would have said, "This is us." Look, if you heard, if you if you 
back in the days, if you're like, oh, I'm going to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you're like, what's the Red Hot Chili Peppers? <laughs> right. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because at, at one time, that was kind of, that would have shocked parents. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, that, and, and But that's the intention of everything we do. Everything I do, at least, is like, you know, I want some shock value. Yeah. I want I want something uh, like far. If, like when I was a kid growing up, a bunch of kids were doing one thing all together, the in thing. I was the one that was off to the side doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I, I mean? can relate to that. Total, yeah, totally, can, totally against the grain. I can relate did to that. Never listen, did never compromise, just, you know, just did whatever the fuck that was going on in, in my head and um, just basically believing in right. what I was as an individual. Because it does take that kind of confidence. You know, I mean, this is, this is a, you know, you can't have a brittle spirit to to, to have the longevity that you've had. <laughs> no, you definitely, no, you definitely, you, you <laughs> definitely, you know, you it's that hundred thousand hour rule, right? Yeah. Like if you do one thing for a hundred thousand hours, I mean, I'm on my millionth hour of doing this, I guess now. But I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's passion, it's 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 force, and it's just uh, it's just doing something that you're addicted to, yeah. and and it's music for yeah. me, you know. But I can appreciate that as well because I mean I always was the person that kind of you know beat my own to path my own drum and yeah and, uh, and you know and it's that, I mean it's not tough. for it's not for yeah. everybody yeah. I don't tell everybody I won't wish anybody to go take the road I took but I mean it was it was something that you know I was I'm I'm a, I'm a driven spirit man mm-hmm. I, I take right. no, I don't take right. no for an answer that's right <laughs> I don't. And that, so, that's a great segue because uh, yeah. I was going to ask you was because and I'm sure you've answered this before, but I personally uh, haven't heard it was okay. So on the Beastie Boys record, of course, "Hello Nasty." A yeah. lot of this is your first record with the Beastie Boys. Yes, yeah. A lot of people's first time, you know, maybe in the the more of the the mainstream of hearing the name Mixmaster Mike came on that answering machine message that you had left, where you kind of auditioned over the phone in a sense. Yeah. So you, yeah. you say Yo Adam, but we don't know, or at least I don't know. Was that Yauk or Horvitz? That was Yauk. I thought it was. Okay. That was Adam Yauk, yes. So reason one thing we pride ourselves on this show is that we're really into the minutia of things. Yeah. Okay, so like, walk me through that. Like, How did you get his number? Did you know that they were looking for a DJ? Walk me through all of that. Um, well, it was... Uh... It was around the ta- time when I won- when um, I was the world DJ champion. Okay. From, it was like ni- ninety two to ninety five, and it was you'd like, won the DMC. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. yeah. And it was uh, nineteen ninety six. I met Adam Yauk at a Rocksteady anniversary show, um, um, put together by my man Crazy Legs and Ken Swift and and, and those guys and. Um, I saw Adam Yauk, and I was a big B-Boy fan growing up. Sure, I mean, yeah. I was kind of before all of this happened, I was kind of like subliminally grooming myself to be in the band because I've always pictured myself as that fourth beastie for some reason that I was like, I have something that they need. They're a brilliant group with or without me, whatever. But if I joined them, it would be... It would be on to the next, you know what I mean? The next, the, thing. The, the next plateau, the, the next sound. And um, um, so we exchanged numbers, and, I, yeah. and, and he knew who I was. And uh, I remember I gave him my card. It's a cheesy, corny card. Right. Corny-ass card I had. It said, <laughs> Mixmaster Mike, world DJ champion. I don't know, turntable extraordinaire, whatever. But right. it was a card I remember I gave to him. He looked, he was just like, oh, great. And um, 
he gave me his number and his address. I said, give me your address uh, so I could send you some the battle videos. Yeah. So I sent him like you know mixtapes and battle videos and whatnot. So he he became um, familiar with what I did, and so when he wasn't home, um, I would call him, and when he wasn't home, I would leave these messages on his answering machine. Determined, driven. Oh yeah, yeah d- uh, driven like that. Because right? I was always infatuated about like because they, they they took time in between their records. Oh Long yeah, time, yeah. and and I was um I was always like. Like, what are they doing in between that time? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wish I could be there during that time it's to see what's going on. Right. Yeah, I knew they were being, I knew, I knew they were being creative, but, um, so what, yeah, going back to the answering machine messages, like, when he wasn't home, I would leave messages on his answering machine. I would, I would literally be practicing up, up, up all night practicing, and I would, uh, um, put the phone next to the speaker and I would actually name off different scratches. Hey, yo, Adam, this is the reverse um, oyster pyramid scratch or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yo, Adam, check this the next day. Hey, yo, Adam, what up? This is, uh, yeah, this is Mike calling you. Right. Um, check it out. This is the tweak scratch. Okay. And, and we're going to get to that because you're, you're also innovator we can list to your adjectives to describe your career. And so, yeah, I, you know, I developed a book of scratches and I yeah. named, named them all. Like I had a book of a hundred different scratches that I've made up right. over the years of battling and, and practicing. So there's this notepad of all these scratches. I used to go down the line one by one and practice each one of them. Well, that's, how, that's how you do it. Like that, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Miles, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember reading a thread because for some reason the the internet seemed to, to think, at least, you know, I guess later that for whatever reason that this was, uh, um, that this was y'all's first correspondence for some reason. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously anybody that knows would know better that this wasn't just like you called him out of the blue and uh, it said, hey man, this is someone. So it's like, well, obviously they knew each other. Oh, no, no. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, yeah. You yeah. guys were familiar, but give me one second here. Thank you, thank you. Sorry, I have to be rude about that. Cut. Yeah, right. No Edit. Worries. Yeah. <laughs> so if you just joined us, we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back to the program. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but um, so when he, so when did he finally call you back? Like after, like, like walk me through that. It, it was '96 when I was leaving those messages, um, and I left these. I left these messages while I was living in Sacramento at the time. I moved back to San Francisco in '97, so it was um, uh, late 1997 is when I got the call from um, from from all the guys on a three-way. I was in my room, and I remember to this day my sister walking into my studio, and she's like, "Phones for you, Beastie Boys are on the phone." <laughs> I remember. Oh yeah, I totally remember? like. I'm like, what? And I'm like, really? She says, "Yeah, Mike, Adam, and Mario. They're they're on the phone. And got on the line. Hey, what up? Well, hey, how's it going?" And it was like, there was that moment. From that moment. That's the moment that sparked the whole dream, you know what I mean, of actually hooking with hooking up with them. But on both sides of it too, because think about this. 
So like what you just said a while ago, how this was going to be the next thing. Yeah. Okay? And it, I mean, it totally was. They're not name-checking other people, other, you know. I mean, I mean, they might have mentioned Hurricane in the past a couple of times, but what I mean is that there wasn't any other DJ that felt like a full-fledged member of the band until you came along. Yeah. Like, you're in the band now. Yeah. At what point, and even on the record, there's a song uh, about you. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, two years in, you felt a, a part of the band. Do you think that that's why they did that, to, to, to you know, to make that song, to make you... Like you, you're you're not the DJ. You're the fourth beastie now. I guess that's how excited they were during the recording process. Yeah. Because uh, d- during the recording process, it was it kind of turned into like the mixmaster mic circuits, yeah. where everybody crowded around the turntables. Okay. Mario, Adam, Adam, Mike, and everyone's around the turntables. I'm like, check this shit out. Listening, check it out. We could do this, and I would do shit in front of them, and they'd be like. And, and you could see, you could see their, their, the wheels are turning in all of their heads, and they're like, "Oh shit! How can we apply this to the next song and make the songs and make new songs out of this?" And, and um, that that that's what happened. So it was like, um, like Mike D would say, he would say, "Okay, Mike, dazzle us." <laughs> that was his, his word. Yeah, and I'm like, "Okay, well, here we go. I'm going to dazzle you." So. Um, so you uh, being in front of the Beastie Boys and they say dazzle us <laughs> instead of shit in your pants, you, you know you dazzle. Well, you know it's that 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 that's part of my make. You know, what I mean? that's in my DNA yeah. is to show people like the next shit. And there the, had to been a little bit of nervousness though. It's a little bit, right? I, I don't think. Well, I don't think there was because I'm just so excited about what I create and I. It's that kind of show show and tell thing. Yeah, it's right. like oh okay. I like to show people that think they know what the next shit is, yeah. and then up yeah. and, and right. up them on right. that thought and right. go, no, 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 you thought this was dope. Look at this, because I'm always the type that's like, I, I like to sit back and analyze. And yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. And um, they say they say that the one that the most quiet person in the room is the guy to watch out for. That's me, because I'm analyzing. I see I see all, all the bullshit is bullshit, and I just go okay, yeah. see right through everything. Right. But and I'm like. Okay, so this right here, I'm so confident that this right here could be our next piece of framework that we could actually use. Yeah. So I'm like actually showing them like, oh, we could put make a song out of this. And, and, and that was during the, the 3M season one DJ. Right, right, okay. When I was up there dazzling them. Yeah, okay. I'm here scratching the drum. And I'm like, check this out. Like, this is all, you know. I'm giving them. I'm looking at them while I'm doing it. I'm like, check this out. Like, you, 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 I'm not, and I'm looking at them. I'm like, you know where I'm getting at with this, right? I'm not just doing that just to. I'm saying, what, what if you guys rhymed over this shit? Boom, 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 Rhyme over it. That's the beat. It's programmed. The human programmer right there. It's right there. Right. Rhyme over this shit. They're like, okay, we'll be back. <laughs> they all leave to hop in the rent a car, I believe. To go, um, to go write the rhymes, like like right. They left. Yeah, they left. And you guys were in L.A. We were in New York. Or, we're, or we're, the laboratories. We're we're in uh, RPM Studios. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I lived in Brooklyn for about eight years. So oh, okay. Also, oh, you're familiar. Well versed. Yeah. That. So they wrote. They went in. They they wrote the lyrics and they came. They came back. They came back while I was doing all the stuff with Mario, recording some of the songs. 
they came back and they were like, okay, get in the booth. And here they go, and they're, you know. Just just setting them on fire like that, though. You know, yeah, yeah. we got three, three of the most creative minds <laughs> in the history of music and hip-hop. Those three guys together, and then you've got the, you know, the, the, the gas on the fire, you know? Yeah. Now, in terms of respect, did you know they were looking for another DJ? I mean, no. Obviously, obviously, you were not. No. So, was that ever an issue for you at all? Like, like, the, the issue was... Um, I don't want to be a home wrecker and That's hurt and, and hurt Hurricane's feelings. Right. Uh, and much love to Wendell and, and Kane, um, but he understood, and they told me, you know, when I when I joined the camp, like I mean, well, when I joined, I was just like, uh, hey, I would always bring up Hurricane's name. Hey, how's Hurricane? You know what I mean? Just just, cool. just out of respect. That's right, right. Just right. out of respect because I knew, I knew, like you know. I'm not the type that's not in my character to be like, hey, I'm moving in. I'm going to take someone's job. That wasn't the intention. The and it was the right thing to do to ask about her. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just, the, that's, you know, that's the type of person I am. You know, yeah. I, mean, I care for people. So, um, anyways, um, it was, uh, yeah, it, we, we, we recorded the, we, I recorded the, uh, the, the back version, well, the, the whole version of the, uh, three MCs instrumental with, with Mario. And it was all ready for the guys when they came in. Okay, here it is. There's the beat. There's the, there's there's the layout right there. You guys do your thing. They hopped in the booth and it was just like. And they let it rip. Yeah. Because I mean, you were a fan of the BC Boys before, obviously, and you know, and. I was I was a number. I still am. I mean, that's my. Yeah. Those are my brothers. I mean, right. I've always been a number one Beastie Boy fan. Like, you always figured. Well, always well, like well, my favorite group. Well, a lot of us. Everything DJs about can, them. Consider ourselves to be the fourth. Imagine to be the fourth beastie, but you, you sir, became it. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I mean, of course, they were like they're they were my favorite. Come on, like yeah. I mean, from to, to bounce from you know, license to ill to to Paul's boutique was like, wait, Paul's boutique doesn't sound nothing like license to ill, but it's even not better, but it's just as a masterpiece as. License to Ill is, yeah. and, and that's how I knew. I was like, these guys are versatile. These guys yeah. are just, man. But that's what I mean, too. I mean, from a fan standpoint, you probably, you know, I, I listen to Paul's Boutique still weekly, and I still hear something I never heard before. Yeah. And so in that mind, how my mind works is I picture how things like you do, analyzing how things are recorded. I don't, I've never really seen any uh, extensive footage, actual video footage of them recording Paul's Boutique. But I've imagined it in my mind. Yeah. So would you, for sure. So now, <laughs> they're in the booth. I recorded this, by the, the way, on video camera. Of them doing... I got the whole Hello Nasty <laughs> on High 8. I went in. I went in to the studio with my High 8 camera recording. And they were cool with it. They were, they were cool with it. Obviously, they were cool with it. Well, they let me. Not, not, you know, now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, I'm a bold motherfucker to go in there with my high eight. I was so excited. But they yeah. but they knew my intentions, though. You well, know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like I was going to go make my own video and sell it or whatever. But they well, knew yeah. I was excited. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that footage is going to be really, really special. It's amazing that, that, that when... Because there hasn't been a whole lot of documentation. I mean, I know they made that movie where they gave the fans uh, the cameras to make that it. That awesome! I shot that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing that that I mean, somebody isn't. They have to be aware, of course, that you shot all that stuff. You showed them all excited and stuff. It's amazing they haven't mined you for it in some sense. 
they knew me. They knew they they knew I was their long lost brother. So <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> now I wonder. So since since the dissolution, of course, of the Beastie Boys, of course, obviously we, we lost our man Adam out, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, at, at, at what point did did for you? And if it's okay to talk about this just for a second, I'm not going to dwell on it. Yeah. Um, at what point for you, when you guys knew you were going into the, to, the, to the Hall of Fame and knew that at the actual ceremony that Yout wasn't going to be joining you, was that – can you talk about that just for a second? Like, was that where you kind of knew that how serious the situation was? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was um, – obviously, we all knew the, uh, the position he was in at that stage, you know, and um, – we just knew that he had to get through what he was going through, and, um, he, and I understood he couldn't be there. So it was uh, it was a heavy situation, obviously. Yeah, you right, know what right. I mean? Like our our captain, like not with us during this special time, and um, it was just um, you know we definitely felt incomplete. For sure. You For know, sure. Um, well, the funny thing about it is, is we <laughs> we got asked to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think two times before this. And we turned it down. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yes. What do you think that it was because of a holdout for until some other artists got in first or something? No, what, no. What it was, was motivation. The motivation was because we weren't ready to be inducted to the hallway because we're not done yet. I see. Because it kind of seems like almost like a scarlet letter in a sense. That, it, exactly. Yeah. I mean, those who get inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you, you join this big pantheon of artists. You know it what I mean? Seems like that you're done, yeah. And, 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 Makes and, sense. And, and I, I guess um, for for us, it's like, oh wait, no, it's like, but but it was it was uh, it was it was Mike's idea to turn him down, which I thought was just so gangster, <laughs> so punk rock. It was just idea. so <laughs> fucking punk rock. Yeah. Of of He's Mike like, nah. and Adam to do that, yeah, and I love that. You know what That's I mean? Very much them that is just so amazing. Anybody in their right mind gets a call that they're being inducted in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is going to jump and go, when do we go? When's the right, induction? Right. Let's go right now. Yeah. And um, we, we just, you know. And you're going, let me answer the phone next time, Mike. Like, no, no. <laughs> but, yeah. But we, you know, we just felt like we had a lot more to do. You know right. what I mean? We've yet to create our masterpiece. So when they accepted, knowing that, is that was that for you when you kind of knew that that was how things were going to be wrapped up. Yeah, we knew. We 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 knew the situation and um you know, um I mean, what what a what a storybook way to end it, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, um obviously, you know, good things have to come to an end. I right. mean, that's what happened. Well, again, and, I, I, I certainly didn't want to dwell on it, but I just yeah, yeah, I would yeah. be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, yeah. uh, Adam Yout. We want to say to all our listeners and you know, people that are listening, uh, of course, you know, rest in peace to the great Adam Yout. I was very privileged to be at the the first three MCA days in New York, the very oh, uh, nice. very grassroots uh, yeah, yeah. thing of just you know for the fans by the fans, and even uh, uh, Horvitz came out to the to the, to the first one, to, yeah, as, as well. So that was kind of a kind of a neat thing to, to extend that legacy, you know, in that way. You of know? course, yeah. But since then, man, you, again, have been all over the place. I wanted to tell you something real quick before we wrap here. Was that, So I saw the Metallica tour, I guess, last year. And I didn't know you were going to be there. Okay? And I'm in the press box. Yeah. And I think... I thought you and I might have passed each other or something. Because I, I knew what you looked like. I obviously knew what you looked like. I'm, you know, and, 
And so, and then I heard somebody say, well, you know, Mixmaster Mike, and I was like, oh, oh, Mike's coming to town, all right, I'll, you know, and they were like, oh, no, like, he, he's, like, doing the sets, like, in between. I had no idea, and it was awesome. <laughs> what, what a great arena for you to kind of step into to that world and and cast such a much wider net doing <laughs> stadiums. Yeah. How the hell did that come about? Well, the Metallica guys, Lars... And, and the management were were trying to reach me for a long time. So okay. uh, before that all happened, um, finally they get they re- they they got a hold of me, got her hold of my management, and um, I sh- I actually knew about the tour four months before it happened. Okay. So I'm I'm holding this secret yeah. inside, like oh shit, is this real? And I'm like thinking I'm just keeping busy until whatever. But it's in the back of my head that I'm going on tour full-on stadium tour opening up for Metallica. That's in the back of my head. Yeah. It's in the back of my head. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm, hands kind of are sweaty right now. Yeah. Saying it. Right. But no, no, but I'm just <laughs> saying, like, to do, to, as a DJ, I mean, musician, I mean, I don't even like to call myself a DJ. Like, I'm a musician. I'm scratch traffic, sound traffic controller, whatever. Um, to, to actually be this one person that's opening up for Metallica is kind of unheard of. No way, it wasn't heard of. It's, it is. Uh, it's it's unheard of. It's not a feat, a feat that can easily be handled. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> By one person, and um, um, that was definitely a blessing, and it was definitely um, gave me uh, gave me de- gave, gave me a lot of confidence. You know that well, yo, yeah. I, I'm doing this for a reason, and I've been chosen for a reason. They're not. Asking for another metal band to open up for right, them, right, right. which is the norm, right? Yeah, right, right. But now you get this DJ that's up there opening up. They wanted, like they wanted what? something different. So when the biggest hard rock band of the last thirty years and one of the biggest ever fellow rock and roll hall of fame uh, inductees, <laughs> you know they're looking for a DJ. They come looking for you. Why yeah. is that? Because they they know um, I'm a psycho motherfucker that doesn't compromise i got a lot of integrity for what i do and i cut through and i'm very confident at what i do and proof is in the pudding blam on that my man mike thank you so much yeah no doubt for joining us uh yeah i'm looking forward to the show tonight yeah it's gonna be gonna be a, a good time uh tell the folks where they can find you if they haven't already i'm sure those are listening they can they can at instagram at mixmaster mike twitter uh mixmaster mike official facebook um, look out! Um, I'll be on tour with uh, Cypress Hill. Oh yeah, that was the, the other thing. Is that you're actually going to be st- stepping in? For- I'm the music director and DJ for Cypress Hill for the festival tours that are coming up this summer. So that was one of the things. Yeah. Because I, I you know, while I was waiting for you to come down here, I was <laughs> some friends of mine are actually in a probably the only one I know of. We're actually doing it well. A BC Boys tribute band called Ryman and Stillen. Yeah, They're from here. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And they're going to be at that some festival in Florida. Oh wow! And they were like, and he was like, going, "Hey man, we're going to be playing. Mixmaster Mike's going to be there." And I was like, "I'm actually, I didn't tell him, about yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but I was kind of like, that's interesting. I, you know, I'm yeah. waiting for him to come meet me in the in the hotel right now." Yeah. But, and then I saw that I was like, "Oh!" And then I saw that you were actually going to be performing with Cypress Hill. Yeah, yeah. So so fill that in just for two seconds. How how did that how did that happen with Cypress well, Hill? Well, be real. Just kind of, okay, it's all the same thing. They've been trying to find me and trying to sit me down for months before <laughs> this all happened. And um, finally, I mean, made me an offer I couldn't refuse. 
Okay. You know what I mean? So it was says, Muggs out or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're all, like, really close. Right. Muggs, Muggs is doing his own thing. So B's thinking, like, you know, he wanted to take the Cypress Hill, um, the whole Cypress Hill project and thing to, a, to another level. So right. he called me and he was like, I want you to do what you did for the Beastie Boys for us. And so, and you were, I mean, now you're not getting to work with, with BC Boys and Cypress. I, I had no aspirations to do that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, but, I mean, I'm flattered. I'm flattered. I love B, I love Bobo, I love Sand Lab, all, all those guys, Mugs. Well, it's going to be a good time. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a good time, but what I'm really, really, really working on right now is my v- virtual reality album. Okay. So everybody look out, look out for for my virtual re- virtual reality projects, Magma Chamber and Moonbase Invasion. I'm working on a full length virtual reality 360 album, first of its kind. So that's what I'm working on, and I'm working on a mixed master mic feature film movie. Okay. Yeah. If it could also maybe include some of that, uh, some of that hello nasty footage. All that stuff. <laughs> All that stuff. It's going to be good, good, good screen time. Well, what a great interview, Roy. I loved it. I. Can't believe all of that is going on. It's a lot going on. Uh, like he's, like you said, um, he was so kind and he was so generous and yeah. so much fun. And I really felt like that we connected not only just, I mean, obviously he's in a completely different league than I am, but not only his fellow DJs, but just, you know, students and fans of hip hop, lifelong students of hip hop. And, you know, we both, uh, you know, as Jeremy says, so we all dreamed of being the fourth Beastie Boy, he, and he actually <laughs> became it, you know, and, and uh, but no, he was so great, man. We had a, a, just a great time talking and connecting, and then again, of course, you know, we saw the show. Yeah. Later that night, and you remember how kind he was to us. Yeah, he's a really nice guy, you know. Um, down to earth, you know, just personable is yeah. what I want, want Sin- to say. Sincere. Sincere right, is a good right, word. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I want to thank my man Mike for, uh, for uh, you know, uh, spending some time with us and uh, inviting us to the show and being so kind to us. And um, and again, and so, and, we, and we're very excited to have him back uh, and, and, we will, because um, he, he's got so much coming up. Uh, like I said, I mean, I learned so much that I didn't know, and that's what I wanted, you know? Him doing the Metallica tour last year. Like, yeah. Like the first DJ, really, to, you know, like Skrillex did the Guns N' Roses tour, um, but to be, like, like really, like, the, you know, the first DJ to be, like, really performing at that level in a stadium. That's amazing. Um, it's not, you know, usually it's in a club and it's like 3 a.m. or something right, and it's, right, it's right. dark. Um, yeah, this is the type of thing that, like, I had I had students that went to go see it and I'm very jealous now. <laughs> well, oh, of, course, oh, of course I was there. Very, yeah, and you were there. Yes. Um, and, you know, it was funny. I didn't know he was going to be there either. It was like I, you know, you heard me say it in the interview is that like I get there and there were two opening acts and I'm in the press box and I thought I actually had passed him like in the hallway or something and because I know I know what he, what he looked like and I never met him at that point and and I heard over the PA or something like hey Mixmaster Mike and I was like oh is he coming to town you know and uh, and he's like no he's like about to perform you know and so I thought that that was such a neat thing of how that all came together and what a great way and how again how's it going to translate into a stadium you know but it did like because he's that good what he was doing was so 
innovative and fun. And if you can rock a stadium with one person, that's pretty. That's a pretty powerful thing to be able to do. Yeah, easily he could easily do that. And he did. And so he's got a lot of great projects. You might have heard him mention is that he's got actually has a movie project coming up. Can't wait to see that. Of course, he mentioned about the height material of him actually of them actually recording three MCs and one DJ with that with what kind of style. The D double O D double O style that has never ever <laughs> been seen before. So hopefully you get a chance to that that will come to fruition. We'll get to see that sooner than later. Obviously, you've heard some new music, and again, who gets to play with Oberman from Metallica? Be in the Beastie Boys, and now get to be in Cypress Hill. Only amazing people like Miss Mix Master Mike. Uh, so, <laughs> so he's actually going to be doing uh the entire uh, uh, festival uh, tour they've got coming up, whatever, which is going to be kind of a, of a rebirth for Cypress Hill. They're actually doing uh, a big show in Florida that you might want to look up. And as you mentioned, our friends in, to my knowledge, the only Beastie Boys tribute band, Dallas's own Raven and Stillen, who actually are playing this Friday in Dallas, Texas, at the Granada Theater. And that's going to be March 23rd. So uh, tickets are available now for that. And so I thought that was such a, you know, because uh, I don't know of anybody that's, that's, and I don't know anybody that's certainly doing the Beastie Boys tribute on that level, where they're doing the, you know, the instrumental stuff. There's the, you know, you have the three MCs, and then you've got a whole other band that's doing the instrumental stuff. And mm-hmm. they even, at one point, we're doing all the costume changes from the video. It's very ambitious and a, and a whole lot of fun. And, and you and I saw it when. Um, on our second day, was That's it? Right. That's correct. <laughs> that is correct. And uh, and if we weren't going to see Beck on Friday, we would probably be going to see it again. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They do it well. Um, also, uh, you know, I would be so 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 yeah. So check that out. Obviously, I would be remiss if we didn't mention, uh, of course, how much we miss uh, the late great Adam Yout. Um, a couple of the questions that I, I didn't get to ask Mike um, or I just, you know, forgot and we'll do a part two was that I wanted to mention a couple of things. Was One is I can remember that I was at the Coachella show from 2003 and this was, uh, you know, towards the, the end of George Bush's first term. And they had written a, a song, just a single called In a World Gone Mad. And it was first performed at that show. And it was kind of neat because there was so much wind that night. It's out in the desert, you know, at nighttime. Mm-hmm. And Mixmaster Mike, of course, was, you know, he's got records. Yeah. You know? And the wind was blowing so hard that it swept through and literally blew the records. Oh, my gosh. Off of the, the, the spool on the turntable. And they were, like, records were literally flying all over the place. No. <laughs> And Adam Yacht gave a great uh, speech that night about some of the trouble that was, you know, the, the world. And, of course, nothing like the trouble we're seeing now. Like you can only imagine how much, you know, how much we need Adam Yacht and his voice and his light and his insight uh, in a very, the very troubling time that we're in right now, of course, you know, politically and uh, in this country. And um, and the other thing I wanted to, to mention was it was so funny that you, when you think about the Beastie Boys, what city do you think of? New York. And specifically, 
Brooklyn. That's right. <laughs> yes. Well, they actually only have only performed. They only performed one show ever in Brooklyn. It wasn't like in '82 when they were getting their start. It was actually in 2007. Really? My only my second year, and there was a place there called the Williams at Williamsburg. Uh, I kind of forget it, but it was a it was a pool, like 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 one of those public pools that can hold like a thousand people, like but there's no water in it, right? Okay. Okay. No, they had legendary shows. I saw Sonic Youth there. I saw probably one of the greatest shows ever with a, a band from New York called Les Savez Fav. Have you ever watched the Seth Meyers late night show? Most of his band is made up of members of Les Savez Fav. Um, and so it was like, yeah. I mean, I mean, seeing a show at Williamsburg Pool, was that what it was called? I'm going to have to look this up. But it was in Williamsburg. Anyway. Um, so people like... The audience goes into the pool? Yeah, just imagine just an empty pool. Like, you know how they would skate in California, and that's where you are. Okay. And then on, up there is where the band is. Oh. So not that much different. Interesting. From, you know. Uh, but, they, yeah, they were great. They would have they would have shows on, like, every Saturday, you know. And the only time, not the Beastie Boys, but the pool itself. And, and I saw a who's who, man, you know, of, of people, including the one and only Brooklyn show, for the Beach Boys, and they even announced they were like, I know y'all probably think we've done a lot of shows here, but this is actually our first show in Brooklyn. That's amazing. <laughs> and it was in 2007. <laughs> um, and of course, you know that a few that uh, you know a few years ago we lost Adam Yount, and um, and you know they did this thing. It was something I was going to ask him was that where they were going to their new album was coming out in two parts. It was going it was called Hot Sauce Committee. And it was going to be called Hot Sauce Committee Part 1. You and I are the Hot Sauce Committee. Right? <laughs> and, and also, s- stay tuned because you're going to have the Roy and Jossie hot sauce coming to you soon. We, we're kind of cooking on some tricky hot sauce that's going to be coming up. So stay tuned for that. But the thing I wanted to say was that, of course, he got sick. And they had to skip the release of Hot Sauce Committee Part 1. Mm-hmm. So by the time they got to Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 schedule... They just said, well, we'll just go ahead and release Hot Sauce Committee Part 2, even though Part 1 hadn't come out, and it still hasn't come out. Oh. And so there's this whole other Beastie Boys record that has not come out that may or may not ever see the light of day. Oh. So I want to ask him about that, but uh, uh, one thing that did happen after we lost uh, the great, I mean, one of the, one of the most painful just like the, the greatest moment, the greatest moments of my life was that show in '92. One of the most painful was when I heard that we had lost Adam Yell, and so young, I, you know, 47 years of age. Um, just such a sad, and just such a, uh, an, 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 a monstrous talent uh, with Adam Yell. Do you remember where you were when you heard that Adam Yell had passed? Um, I think I was still living in Boulder, and that was definitely sad. I. The Beastie Boys was like the soundtrack for for high school days for me, and Adam was actually MCA was my favorite one. Right. <laughs> so that was that was a sad moment. Um, and he rests in peace. <laughs> That's right. And so you know, the Beastie Boys fans are so are so great because you know the, the band has meant so much to us over the years. That some organizers had got together to do this very impromptu thing called MCA Day in New York. Mm. Uh, and it was for the fans, by the fans that were feeling the same way. I mean, I just felt it was just one of those things that 
maybe how people felt, you know, when when you know when John Lennon was, you know was killed, or or people in the early '90s about Kurt Cobain, or just one of these. It wasn't tragic because he wasn't murdered, but it was just, but certainly just gone way, way too soon. And, and I remember right. feeling feeling very disillusioned and feeling very lost by this. And 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 so this uh, a guy put together this this great thing, and even Ad Rock Adam Horowitz even just unannounced. Because again, this thing was for the fans and by the fans. It wasn't organized by the band. Right. And so suddenly here comes Adam Horowitz and his wife Kathleen mm-hmm. Hanna from Bikini Kill um, out of nowhere. And so, and right there in Union Square Park. And it was just a very uh, cool thing where people just showed up with boomboxes and told stories and drew graffiti and listened to music. And, and it has grown to be such an amazing thing. Uh, there's actually a place in New York uh, now named after Adam Yout called uh, called Adam Yout Park, and MCA Day continues to this day in a much bigger, bigger capacity. You should look that up. There's also a memorial foundation uh, in the name of Adam Yout that you should look up and uh, and get involved with. It's a really, really, really wonderful thing. Even if you weren't familiar with the Beastie Boys, it's just uh, a great thing to learn about to be a part of. And I'm proud to say that I'm a part of it as well. Uh, Jossie, anything else that you wanted to add uh, about your experiences with the Beastie Boys, uh, and and, some, and maybe share a memory, you know, from college or or just uh, Mixmaster Mike as a whole? Well, the show that we saw was incredible. Um, not only is he uh, gifted at manipulating those those turntables. Um, he, he also does this, he spins around and, you know, the little choreographed moves, um, which, you know, makes it a very, uh, athletic performance. (laughs) Um, so it's a great thing to witness, uh, with your eyeballs and, um, how does, how does his performance, you've seen me perform. So how does his performance compare? How, how does it compare? <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to see you do all that spinning move stuff. And maybe try that wah pedal thing when you pointed that out. I was blown away. Um, it's just stuff that you don't really um, think about. Yeah, um, outside the box. Very you know, cool. Wah yeah. bum less stuff. And, that, and that's, <laughs> yeah. and that's any, any true innovator does it, you know? Yeah. You know? Somebody's just going to show up and say and recite the lines from somebody else's movie versus the guy that writes his own movie. You know right? I mean? Yes. You know. So we want to say to you know to again to Mixmaster Mike, uh, the legacy uh, that is the Beastie Boys uh, to Adam Yout, you know Mike D, um, M, you know Ad Rock, uh, and again like I said the great Mixmaster Mike, uh, continuing uh, that legacy. He's going to be on, again, he's on tour throughout the entire summer. Check out all his new projects. And again, you can find us on iTunes. What should they do when they go to iTunes, Chelsea? They should uh, check out Tricky Kid Radio and subscribe. And leave a review. And leaving a review is a great way to, to be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And be awesome. That was very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> and you can find us on Twitter at Tricky Kit and the, and the number two. Did you want to plug any of your social medias? Not necessarily. <laughs> I'm a very private person. Um, but uh, yeah. But Las Colina Symphony is a great symphony as well as the Garland Symphony and Symphony Arlington. That's correct. And which you are Support pr- the arts. <laughs> which you are a proud member of. Uh, my girl is a very gifted and talented, besides being so beautiful. 
she's a gifted, brilliant musician on the piano and on the violin and performing with those great orchestras uh, about once a month. And their, their program is about to, to wrap pretty soon. How many shows are left? Two more concerts in the season. Okay. And, and where should they look, look that up if they want to go, go to the last two shows? Um, well, depending if you are, you know, close to Irving, um, we, we perform in Irving on Saturday night and Garland Friday night and Arlington, um, Thursday nights, depending on which one, um, it, which city is closest to you, what night works best for you. We're playing Mahler first symphony next, next time. Exciting. So it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So get your tickets now, uh, and again, I've got a lot of things cooking here. Uh, I'm going to be involved with uh, some more wrestling stuff coming up I'm excited to tell you about. I've got my own DJ Tricky Kids shows. Again, tune in each and every single week. Uh, again, we've got a lot coming, my friends. So for my better half, Jocelyn Hund, I, again, I've been your host, Roy Turner, and we will see you next week. Good night, and thanks for listening. I hope to see you guys soon. Take care.